is going to come and bring the word. Jasmine's got a great heart. Some of you know the whole family, some of you may not, but let's give her a big hand as she comes now. She said, um, I think Mother's Day, was it last year, the year before, she, she shared, so this is the first time she's going to preach, but most of you don't know, we actually have a whole teaching team that we're developing, so anyone involved who's got a gift of either teaching or preaching or some sort of leadership public gift, and so Jasmine's part of that team and also Rebecca, there's about 18 of them on that team, and so that's why she's actually sharing the word, she's gifted to do that, so we're looking forward to it, God bless you Jasmine. Thank you. Well, it's so good to be here this morning. I'm you know, just a tiny bit nervous, but um, that's all right. I'm really happy to be here and I'm so privileged to be sharing God's Word with you today. I'm really excited about the message um, that um, He's given me to share. You know, I had something else in mind and I just kept going to God, what is it, what is it that you want me to share? I want it to be the right thing that you want to say to your people at this time, in this place. And, you know, after this amazing service, it's really easy. Um, it just confirms to me um, what God wants to say. Um, and with what Bex and communion was just amazing. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I'm going to pray because I need that and we all need that. So let's pray about our heads before we get into the word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for bringing us all here today, your children. Thank you that you love us so much and you have called each of us here to be a part of this place. And God, we just pray that your word would um, go out today. Um, we thank you that your word would not return empty, but it will go out. Your word is um, alive and active and sharp. And we just invite you to speak to us today, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Amen. So I wanted to ask you the question. Do you ever feel so uncomfortable as a Christian that you sometimes don't know how to relate or connect to people around you? You might start to feel a bit uncomfortable when you hear people talk a certain way, talk about certain topics, um, and you can start to feel a bit awkward. Um, you know, when I was at uni, um, it feels like a, a long time ago, but I was at Latrobe Uni just down the road um, studying psychology, and I met this um, beautiful girl. And she was living on campus, um, so she was away from home. I think she was from New South Wales. And, um, you know, I thought, I'm going to, you know, we kind of got along. I'm going to reach out to her and she doesn't know anyone. And um, I think I might have, um, you know, in introduced her to my family, things like that. And, you know, we got to know each other and, you know, she, I was telling her a bit about my faith. And, and then um, she said something that I really wasn't expecting to say, uh, her to say. She said, um, I'm actually a Wiccan. And I thought, oh, that's, I didn't really know what that was actually. But basically she told me she like practices like witchcraft and she was really into that. And, you know, growing up as a young girl, like first it started with horoscopes and then she got into um, readings and things like that. And, you know, that really took me by surprise. And, um, you know, that's a really out there example. And, you know, at the time it was good. We could have some great conversations. And because she was so open, I, for me it was, I felt like it was easy to talk to her about that and we, we ended up watching um, The Passion of the Christ together and talking about that and it was amazing and, you know, she didn't become a Christian but it was, you know, a, one step closer, I hope. So that's a really out there example but um, sometimes it's not that um, out there and um, in contrast to what we think or believe or there just might be slight differences. So six, about six months ago we had um, some new neighbours moving next door and, you know, you're like, oh, just suss out what they're like, um, just like take note of a few things, like jot them, not really, but you know, that type of thing. So um, 
a few things that we noticed. Um, they were building this something in the backyard, this big shed cage thing, and what's going in there? But it turns out it was pigeons. So they've got, I reckon there's like 50 pigeons or something there. So that's, oh, that's different, you know. I'm sure lots of people have birds for pets. But um, that was one thing. Um, another thing was, you know, they dressed differently. Um, they spoke in a different language and we could hear them speaking over the fence and like, I don't know what they're saying. And, you know, it was just a bit different. And they've got four kids. Um, and, you know, we picked up straight away some really interesting things about these kids. So, um, we like to have um, dinner time all together, sitting around the table at our house. So I've got three little girls and we're sitting down and, and we'd be like sitting at the table looking forward to eating our meal and, um, and sharing about what we've been doing in our day. So we're sitting there and um, imagine you guys sitting at the table and all of a sudden there's these kids sticking their heads over the fence. <laughs> And, you know, they would just pop their heads over the fence and start talking to us. And, like, that was nice, but, you know, we wanted to eat our dinner and, you know, I'll jot that one down in the book too. And, you know, that was one thing. And then another interesting thing about the kids was, um, you know, we put our kids to bed, you know, around seven and, um, you know, we might hang out with my lovely husband, watch some TV and then, you know, jot off to bed like maybe, you know, 10, 30, 11. And as we're going to bed, um, we realised that um, the kids next door, they actually just that was when they liked to have a party or um, a tantrum or have a chat. Like, that was their wake time and they were up and, and awake. And, you know, it was really different to what was happening in our house and the way that we did things. And, you know, one morning I was walking my daughter to kinder. It's just um, across the road. And I walked past their house. And I saw the front, one of their front windows had been smashed in and broken and they taped it together with, you know, this bright blue tape. So it was really obvious. And it just stood out to me like a sore thumb. You know, when something just sticks in your mind and, you know, of course I'm wondering what's going on, but I had so many questions and it was just so, just different the way this family lived and talked and acted and all these things I've talked about. So sometimes it's just these little things that kind of, just make us feel a bit awkward or we just might question, you know, what's going on here? This is a bit different. So we're going to talk more about that a bit later. Um, but let's get stuck into the text. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles here, I'd love you to open. Chapter 4, verse 14 to 30. And what we're going to be looking at is the good news that Jesus came to bring to each one of us and those outside of the church I believe we're going to be stretched and challenged. Um, I really have been this past um, week or so just immersing myself in this text. It's been really challenging and convicting and um, I believe that we're going to be like led to share the message of freedom that Jesus brings to those around us. So I'll give you a bit of backstory on this um, passage. Um, it's about Jesus coming to the synagogue and sharing from the prophetic book of Isaiah and it's about the responses of the people who listen to the story. Now, the same story is shared in Matthew and Mark, but Luke gives us much more detail. So he uses like double the space to share the same story and he adds a few things or includes a few things, which um, I'm going to point out because that's what we're going to focus on. So one is the quotation from the book of Isaiah that he reads and we're going to look at that in a minute. And the second thing is the emphasis that Jesus places um, on God's people rejecting the messages he sent and how, in turn, God was actually including the outsiders in his plan. So just before this, 
we had John the Baptist calling people to start over. You know, he was calling people to come and repent. And it was as they went down into the waters that they would come out ready for something new that God was going to do. And the people were starting to get excited about this. Um, he, John baptised Jesus and then Jesus goes out into the wilderness and he's tempted by the desert for 40 days. Now, this is kind of um, replays like when Israel was travelling 40 years in the desert, but they had failed and given in to temptation and rebelled against God. But Jesus, when he was tempted, he did not give in to the temptation, but trusted in God ways, God's ways. So he was born in Bethlehem and grew up in Nazareth, Galilee, but he'd been going around. Um, he was in um, it's Capernaum. I don't know how to say all these big words. Uh, you have to teach me that in the team, Greg. Um, but at the, when we get to this text, Jesus is returning to his hometown of Galilee. So they were curious to hear him. The people of his hometown had heard rumours of his fame and his news spreading, and they were curious to hear him. You know, sometimes um, we can hear about a new pastor or a new church that started, and it's really exciting. And, you know... Um, Back then, it was just all word of mouth. But for us now, we might hear it like someone might share on Facebook or we might see something on YouTube. And it's instant and it's exciting. And you think, I want to watch that. I want to read more about that. I want to learn more about that. And, you know, there's something about you that just wants to um, kind of glean something from what you're, you're hearing that other people have been receiving and learning about. So that's what kind of it was like for these people as they were ready to hear from Jesus. All right. So, verse 14. Let's read. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Now, you know, on a Sunday service, we do things kind of, we have a process and an order, we'll have some announcements, we'll have worship and all these things. And they had, you know, a process different, but a process as well. So they would um, recite the Shema, which was a prayer that Jewish people prayed morning and night. They would read from the law, they would read from the prophets, and they would have um, a benediction at the end, which is like a blessing. So when they read from the prophets, the appointed teacher would often give a little sermon. And anyone, um, like rabbis, different rabbis or competent individuals could come and share this um, message. Um, so it was fitting that Jesus was asked to share it, this because he was, like I said, becoming widely known as a preacher. Now, in terms of the actual um, prophet that they read from, it was probably already prearranged. Someone would have said, here's the scroll of Isaiah. This is our set reading for today. But, you know, that's a whole book. That's a whole... Um, big um, passage, big topic, big scroll, and Jesus pinpoints it down to Isaiah 61, which is really exciting to read. So we're going to read that from verse 17, the next one. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. So he had lived up to this hype. They were amazed for now. He had lived up to these amazing expectations of, you know, bringing something new, bringing something fresh. But what was he talking about in this passage and why is it important? Well, when it says the year of the Lord's favour, this is the key that I want to bring your attention to. It's, he's referring to what they called the year of Jubilee. Now, in the Old Testament, this was a year that described when slaves were set free, debts were cancelled and all land was returned to its rightful owner. It happened every 50 years and it was like a reset. So something they were really excited about. And the original passage, which is from Isaiah, was also understood in the modern day culture as encapsulating hope for a Messiah, just like Beck spoke about earlier, and the release of the poor and the release of those in oppression. Jesus is using this passage to say this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the people listening, it sounds a bit foreign to us, but those listening wouldn't have missed this. It was such a big part of their culture. This is what they were looking forward to, this final jubilee year where freedom would reign and God would graciously cancel all debts, setting the oppressed and captives free. It was really mind-blowing for them to hear and they you know, even couldn't quite comprehend exactly what it meant. You know, Beforehand, they might have been excited to hear Jesus, but they might have thought it's another prophet. You know, he's like John the Baptist. He's going to be pointing us to the Messiah, the one who's going to come and redeem us. But Jesus is saying, no, today this scripture is fulfilled. He was claiming to be the fulfillment of the prophecy, empowered by the Spirit to release the people of Israel. He was saying the Messiah has come, the hoped-for king, the saviour, the bringer of justice and peace. And he was that Messiah. Another thing that was really interesting when um, researching this is this, it's a really short um, scripture reading that he uses in, when, from this service. Um, you know, sometimes they might use like a, a bit of a passage, but he actually cuts it off in the middle of a sentence, which is really odd. Um, in Isaiah, what it says, so to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. So why didn't Jesus finish the sentence? Why does he stop? You know, the Jews, like I said, anticipated the Messiah to come and bring liberation and peace, but also to bring judgment. They thought the two went hand in hand. This Messiah should have had, you know, this package all wrapped up. You know, they were looking to be free from, you know, the Roman rule. But when Jesus shares just the first bit of this sentence, that he's come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, he's announcing something that's unexpected. So if you're um, taking notes... um, Got point one. So Jesus was the Messiah, but in a different way than they expected. He wasn't coming, raining down judgment with fire and brimstone, but he was bringing in an age or an era of salvation. Um, and this was a time when God would withhold his judgment for now. Now it was about release and healing and liberation. It was and it is about the freedom that Jesus brings to the world freeing them and freeing us now to become a part of God's kingdom. And that's you know, why we're here today, isn't it? We have accepted the call of God. We have been released from sin and set free. Amen. So the crowd was already listening. Um, they were on edge with Jesus' words. And, you know, they might have been a bit taken aback by this. I was trying to understand what did he mean by, like, he was the fulfillment of this. Like, that's not what we expected. Um, and... You know, they're starting to feel a bit um, kind of awkward or a bit, um, 
you know, just unsure about the whole thing. And after he reads um, from the scroll, um, I just want to continue on in verse 24. And he says, truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown because they had started to say, hang on, this sounds good, but isn't that Jesus, Joseph's son that lives just down the road? Like we saw him growing up as a boy and playing and he, you know, we know him like, you know, he couldn't, he's not going to be anything special, you know, type of thing. That's what they were thinking. And so he's saying, and Jesus says, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. And Luke goes on to say they basically tried to kill him after that. So they've done a complete 180. They tried to chase him off a cliff, literally, so he would die um but he miraculously escaped um but what made them so mad like what is Jesus pointing at in this passage when he's talking about Elijah and Elisha and these other people um well it's like Jesus is almost rebuking them he's reminding them that God's grace is for all people not just the Jewish people and the the people he mentioned which was the widow of Zarephath and Naaman the Syrian they were Gentiles not the people of God and when Jesus ties them with Elijah, it hits a nerve. You know, Elijah was this revered prophet and Jesus was connecting him to a Gentile, the people that they, they hated. And even more than that, he's saying that these other people, these outsiders, they are part of God's plan. And he brings a widow into the story. In their culture, a widow had no social status, no importance whatsoever. He's basically saying, look at your own history to see what happens when people, um, the people of God reject his messenger, just like they were starting to do to Jesus. Now, there was a real sensitive relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. They were um, integrated, like they integrated their ways um, with the Gentiles a little bit, but in, there was resistance. So some things were really good. You know, they would separate themselves from um, paganism because of all the sinfulness which is great, right? But in other ways, <laughs> their resistance wasn't so good. They would act violently towards the Gentiles and held the view that they would be judged and punished by God. So they acted in line with that view and they saw them and acted towards them as less than, as unclean and as worthless. They believed that interacting with them would tarnish them and you know, a part of that is what the law taught them. They were under the law. But, you know, Jesus had arrived and he was teaching them a new way, something fresh, something different. And, you know, in the whole book of Luke, he's constantly pointing out that we will always see God's purposes um, with, through Jesus that are involve people that are unexpected and the exclusion of some people who were expected. Another interesting thing is that Jesus frequently includes women in the extension of the kingdom of God. This was completely unheard of at that time. They had no rights at that time. And, you know, today we have so much talk about equality between men and women. But, you know, we wouldn't even be having that discussion if it wasn't for Jesus. He revolutionised the way that society viewed and thought about women. I certainly wouldn't be up here. 
So, point two. Luke is pointing out that God's purposes are for all people to know him, including Gentiles. There's no kind of person that the gospel cannot reach or boundary it cannot cross. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's from Galatians. And outsiders are continually welcomed into the God's kingdom. And today, his purposes are the same. I'm going to talk about that a little bit now. You know, there's, in looking at this passage, there's a warning for us in becoming too accustomed and used to our Christian environment. We live in a different time and we differ from the people that heard that sermon that day. We are Gentiles ourselves. We're not Jews. We're, you know, not from that culture. We are outsiders that have been brought into God's kingdom and we are under God's um, grace, not the law. And we have freedom of living in the spirit. But I think there's some things that we do have in common with the audience from that time. Like them, we're used to our churches. Sanitised, sparkly, clean, everyone looking lovely, maybe in their best Sunday best or their best facade maybe. We're used to coming to churches on different days you know, we've got church on Sunday, we might have connect group during the week or prayer meeting and all these things are wonderful things, but, you know, it's this um, habit and we're used to it. We're used to different preachers coming up to speak and what they might say and how we respond and the way that we do things. And we're used to this kind of Christian environment. And there is, um, you know, if you like, a, a Christian kind of space. And there's another space over here. That's the world space. And so there's us and there's them. And there's a danger in placing ourselves in a culture that excludes other people. You know, when we start distinguishing ourselves from others in a way that despises those who sin, not the people, not not the actual sin, not talking about despising sin, but despising the people who sin, and we are diminishing them, we are actually coming, becoming part of the problem, not the solution. I'm going to say that again. When we start distinguishing ourselves from others in a way that despises those who sin and therefore diminishes, diminishes others, we are becoming part of the problem, not the solution. You know, when Jesus spoke of his ministry, he wasn't speaking about those within the church, but outside of the church. Melinda told us last week, you know, when Jesus performed his miracles, they were most often in the marketplace. They were out there. The poor, the captives, the oppressed, typically these people aren't in church. Now, I'm not saying we don't have our own problems. We have trials. You know, the Bible promises us that we'll have trials. Thank you, God. But um, ultimately, we've found freedom. You know, we're walking with God and his Holy Spirit, and he leads us through those things. We have found the hope in Christ. But those people who are downtrodden and broken down by trouble, they're not found in the churches. Maybe they wouldn't come in for fear of being condemned. You know, do we know people um, that are part of our lives that, that aren't exactly like us, that do things differently, that talk differently, that go to different places that we go, than we go to? Um, you know, this was something like for my husband Steve and I, like we were really challenged about, um, you know, a few years ago and just to f- look around and see... 
Okay, are there people in our lives that, that aren't Christian, that don't know the love of God? To continue Jesus' ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we need to get out of our own way. Metaphorically, getting up out of our nice, comfortable seats and sanitised buildings and the ways that we've always done things. Now, I'm not saying it's not important to be a part of the church. Like, it's so important to be a part of a community that, um, you know, where people are focused on God and following his purposes, that we can be built up um, and encourage one another. Just lost my spot. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so I'm not saying that, but I think in this passage, Jesus is pointing us towards something else, something in addition to that. Um, and if Luke knew what was happening, you know, in centuries ahead, like maybe he would have written similar things to us today. You know, still written to um, people who are absorbed sometimes with protecting our own and fearful of change. Written to people who see outsiders as maybe sometimes dangers to be avoided and enemies to be, to be attacked. I know it's like sometimes hard to hear and it was really challenging for me as I was looking at this, you know, but I think this is what God is saying here. And if we join Jesus in living a life of compassion that is inclusive and without prejudice against the despised and the feared, this is how we live the life of the Spirit. And we will be going to seek out these people, not withdrawing and distancing ourselves from them. You know, the mission and the message of Jesus, according to Luke, is about overthrowing these categories where we dehumanise people and we give to people people that don't look like us or talk like us or don't think like us, you know, people that are trying to make it, you know, a bit more relatable, but people that we sometimes might look at and then, like, look away quickly. I don't want to see them. Okay, I don't want to have anything to do with them. You know, we might cross the other side of the road metaphorically or not to avoid. Um, you know, last night um, we went to an engagement party and try not to get emotional but um you know I had a friend there who I've known my whole life and um yeah so there was this couple there and um you know they are different and they're not um, always easy to have a conversation with and it's difficult you know it's um hard it's challenging it's really uncomfortable but it was undeniable like the Holy Spirit just leading me to go and speak to them and just open up like what is there to be afraid of? Like, God is with me and I'm here to share his love. And, you know, and it, it was quite heartbreaking because you could, you know, when you can see people looking at other people and just who are we to judge, you know. So we chatted and that was great. And, you know, we didn't, I didn't, maybe I should have done more, you know. We didn't talk about God. And, you know, to be really honest with you guys, like, in fact, I avoided it a bit because I knew this person has a, you know, a real issue with God and difficulty um, kind of approaching God and maybe I should have talked about that and I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to keep revealing to me, you know, what he wants me to do next so that I can be obedient to him. So it's not about being naive when it comes to things that aren't of God. There is sin and that's not for us to be a part of but what it is about is living out the freedom that love brings so that people don't lose their value, they're never written off. And that really is good news in today's world, just as it was back then. So back to my neighbour from the start of the story. Um, 
you know, I, it's funny because you think, oh, you know, should we just go over and say hello? Like, is that weird type of thing? But one day we were um, at the park across the road from our house and, you know, it's funny because we were like on one side of the park and they were on the other side of the park. I didn't plan it that way, but we just had walked on the other side and, um, you know, the mum was over there and I, th- I thought, you know, like, re- I should really just go and speak to her. Like, what, you, you build things up sometimes to be a thing. It's not a thing. Just do it. Just be obedient. So it's just saying hello. So we went and chatted and, you know, in your head you make excuses like, well, they can't speak English. Like, what, what are we going to say? But, you know, we said hello and we could have a little conversation and talk about the kids and, and she's just a beautiful, beautiful lady. And so we had a little chat. And, you know, the next day we had um, my daughter Luella's birthday party at home. And we had some family over and some kids. And, um, you know, it wasn't long before, like, hello, they were over the top of the fence again. <laughs> um, and, you know, having our fun. And, you know, so we invited the kids over. And they came over and they had a great time. And... Um, we didn't know how long they were going to stay or what they were going to do, and that's fine. It doesn't matter. But we had a really good time, and, you know, it's really opened the door now. And I don't know, like, where God's going to lead us. If at one point, hopefully, we get to share his good news with them or not. But, you know, if I had, you know, stayed in that comfortable place of not wanting to go there or not taking the time, you know, I've got lots of things to do. Like, I don't have time to just go and talk to strangers that I don't know, that, you know, going to bring anything into my life. But... No, like God asked me to, you know. It's about being obedient. And sometimes you might not be comfortable to do that. Just do it. Trust God. He's always with you. His plans are for you and his plans are for those people. That's why we're here. You know, we're part of his mission. He's not here to serve us. We're here to serve him. So as we approach Easter, we might come across people, or you might, you might be thinking of them right now who are poor and oppressed. And you can, you know, sometimes they make you uncomfortable and it takes effort to spend time with them. And, you know, when we hear these words, poor, captive, oppressed, sometimes it sounds quite distant and um, you think, okay, I might not know, like, any poor people. But, you know, it wasn't just about money at that time. It was about low social status. Um, Yes, we should help the poor as well and feed them. But it's so much closer than we think. You know, in Revelation, it talks about um, people appearing rich, having it all together. But God says, you do not realise that you are poor and blind and naked. So in God's eyes, people who are self-satisfied, you know, they've made it, they're wealthy, they're confident, they've got everything going for them. They're actually miserable and poor in God's eyes. We might not know any homeless people. I don't think that I do, but um, certainly we would know people that are poor in spirit. People that are looking like everything is going success successfully. Um, you know, they've got this facade again of, you know, everything's going well. I've got my, um, you know, family and my kids and my house. It's my holiday house over here and this and that and everything. Um, but you don't know what's going on inside. You know, their marriage is breaking down or one of their kids is, you know, really struggling. We have no idea. Um, You know, someone might have just the most beautiful Instagram feed and it's all, like, matching and it looks beautiful and they travel here, there and everywhere. Um, You know, they might be suffering from a severe mental illness and under that, you know, difficulty. We just don't know at all. God is calling us to share his good news with all people. So how are we going to put this into action? I encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it will be a practical need that you can meet. 
maybe it's stopping to talk to someone that you don't really want to talk to. There's nothing in it for you. Just do it. The Holy Spirit's asking you to. He will lead you to those people. Maybe as you see people, you'll be prompted to invite them to one of our Easter services in the next week, Good Friday or Easter Sunday. Or maybe it's this amazing resource that we have of Alpha. You know, the people that run the course are just amazing and they can talk them through everything with people. It doesn't matter what questions you have. Just bring them, come, bring everything. It's about being obedient to the voice of God. We have received His grace by faith and He's called us to share out this good news that He brings. So filled with the Spirit, we are to proclaim good news like Jesus did and to proclaim freedom in the hope that people would surely see God and be set free from sin. Now is the time for this. God's grace is abundant and it's here. The door is open, guys. The opportunity is now. It's not, oh, when I get my things together, oh, when I have a spare day. See people, you know, the way that God sees them and just act that out. So I want to ask you guys to stand up and we're going to pray. We're just going to ask God to bring to mind the people um, in our lives that He is calling us to share His love with. And yes, it's everyone, but maybe they're a specific people for this time that He wants us to share His love with. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for Your incredible love for us. We thank You that in sending Jesus, You made a new way, that You broke down so many barriers that we could come and stand freely in front of you, cleansed from our sin and set free from the captivity of sin, God. Thank you, Lord. And we just ask, as we've heard this message from Luke this morning, that you would begin to speak to us about how we can share the good news that you bring with those around us, Lord. I pray right now that you would just bring to mind um, people to us, Lord God, or as we're going about our week, in our days that you would just bring people up, that we would see their faces and we would um, not put it off, Lord God, but we would be obedient to your calling. We thank you, Jesus, that you were the ultimate example and you were obedient to the Father. We just thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. And God, we just ask that you help us to act boldly. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us. We are not alone and we don't have to be afraid of anything, Lord God, at all. Help us just to lay those um, things down, the barriers that are stopping us, Lord God, and just to do what you ask us to do. Lord, we want to share your love with those around us. We just thank you so much for your grace. think maybe it'd be good if we stay standing. Um, it's just one more thing I really felt to pray for, and maybe Jordy can help me, but um, if we can get the lights down. Um, I know this is, you know, sometimes a tough thing to hear, and it's a bit, I feel like sometimes it's a bit countercultural. You know, we're used to doing things a certain way, and, you know, we all have our things to do and things like that, but um, 
I just wanted to ask, you know, if, if you feel like this is a struggle for you to kind of move past this and, you know, sometimes, you know, sin is a horrible thing. It causes so much pain and damage and ultimately death, you know. And sometimes when we look at people, that sin might be just standing out so brightly to us, you know, and we can't look past it. And I really feel like, you know, maybe if if you're struggling with that, maybe that's something that we can pray about today, that God will just remove that. And what you'll see is a child of God. Okay, so let's just close our eyes. And if that's you this morning, if you want to lift up your hand, we're just going to pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that every person is a child of you that they are made in your image, that they are valued, they are worth so much, God. And nothing compares to the love that you have, not just for us, God, but for every person on the earth. And Lord, sometimes we really struggle to see past sin and past things that are not of you, God, because we love you and we know that's not what you want. But God, we just pray that you'll break that down for us, Lord, that we will see people as you see people that our eyes would see what you see, God, and our heart would be broken for what breaks your heart, Lord God, and we'll go out and this will prompt us into action, Lord God. I just pray right now that anything that's stopping people or this struggle, Lord, that you just break it off right now in Jesus' name. Thank thank you for your power and your love, God. We just commit this week to you and just ask you to lead us, challenge us, Lord God. And we know that as we ask you this, we're going to see these people all around. We're going to see them all around, these beautiful children of you, Lord God, who are longing and hoping for a better way. And you are that way, Jesus. Just thank you for your presence with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Jasmine a massive round of applause. That was awesome. Thank you for bringing that message, Jasmine. And it can be hard talking to people because it forces us, as Jasmine said, to get out of our comfort zone. And as we come to Easter and Alpha, we've actually got these two brochures here in the foyer and there are plenty. So why don't you grab one, but why don't you grab two or three or four as well and give them to people? What a way to open a conversation by physically, tangibly, being able to put something in someone's hand and say, hey, come along as well. And as Jasmine said, if you want prayer after the service for how to reach people or how to step outside of your comfort zone, myself, Pastor Greg, we're happy to wait around and pray for you. It's no worries at all. But before we go, I never want to miss an opportunity to ask someone if they know who Jesus is. I never want to just assume on any given Sunday that all of us in this room know who Jesus Christ is that we talk about. So I want to ask you all to bow your heads just out of privacy this morning. And I simply want to pose this question to you where you're standing right now. Do you know in your heart of hearts who Christ is? And you may be thinking, well, I knew Him a long time ago, but I don't know Him now. If that's you this morning, I would love for you to come and see me at the end of the service because I would love to pray with you. I would love to put a Bible in your hand as well. I would love to help you begin that adventure which will change the rest of your life. 
that that relationship with Christ will permeate through everything. I'd love to pray with us all as we close today. Lord, thank you so much for such an incredible and challenging service this morning, Father. I pray that as we go out, we're not just hearers of the Word, Father, but we're doers. I pray that we invite people this week. I pray that we start to truly make an impact in our wider community. We don't get safe in the Christian bubble that we can, Father. And we stretch ourselves and put ourselves out there, not for ourselves, but for you, Father, that your kingdom will be advanced on earth. We love you so much, Lord. Amen. Have a great rest of your week. Go hang out in the foyer. Don't forget there's coffee. But as we said, if you do want prayer for anything, please come out the front. Myself and Greg will be there and the band's going to keep playing quietly.